Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. There's a new administration in Washington, and that will mean changes to many things financial, including taxes. But what will this mean for advisors? Brad Swinehart knows people who have some answers. Brad's guest for this episode of Be Advised, Leading with Value, is Joel Sasser, president and founder of Covisum. That's a fintech company that offers advisors tools for planning retirement income. Joe is a certified financial planner. He is a partner in financial planning firm Adaptive Advice. Brad, I would think Joe's going to face a lot of questions in the coming weeks and months, especially on issues like, well, individual tax rates, tax credits, and that's just to name a few. I do not envy Joe's position when it's going to come to people asking questions. He is going to get berated with um, advisors and consumers that, hey, want to know what the heck is going on. And I don't think there's anyone better to answer those questions than Joe. And before we get into the episode, I want to tell just a little bit of a a history between White Glove and Covisum. Um, We've had a great partnership for years. And what really spurred such a great peanut butter chocolate moment between our groups is that we had advisors using the software that Joe provides and they were using our services and that software and they were closing more clients because of the tools that uh, Joe's company provided and the ease that it showed that prospect exactly what the heck is going on when it comes to taxes or social security or retirement. And so we truly believe in Joe's software and his systems. And on top of that, he is just an absolute expert on all of these items. And part of that is because he's an advisor in the trenches today. So Joe, thank you very much for being on the show with us today. Well, thanks, Brad. I'm glad this is a podcast. I'm blushing. Nah, (laughs) it's only a podcast, so I don't have to show my face. So, (laughs) so, well, let's, let's get right into it. So there's, there's going to be new tax plans, right? You know, there's a new administration, you know, what are you seeing that primarily is going to impact advisors? I think this year is going to be a really important year, primarily because, you know, we've still got a lot of pandemic to go, right? And so the likelihood of us getting significant tax increases this year, I can't imagine is very high, which means this year we've got a real opportunity uh, to put in place some of the things we should have been doing over the last four years. Uh, And specifically by that, I mean, thinking about Roth conversions, thinking about maxing out a current bracket, uh, just to make sure that those dollars don't later get taxed at a much higher bracket. So those kinds of thought processes are going to be really important here in 2020. But I do think in the near term, the kind of tax things we're going to get are expansion of lower kind of stimulus related uh, taxes, uh, tax changes, specifically for lower brackets, like expansion of tax credits or earned income tax credit would be a good example. So maybe a little bit less of these 2020 tax changes are going to impact the advisor and the advisor's clients. And because of that, it's really about positioning for the potential for future tax changes that I would say are likely to have a more negative impact on advisors' clients. 
And one thing that we see is when changes, any changes in taxes happen or any potential changes in taxes, you know, on, on our side, we see the consumer demand um, to know about those, to have a clear picture of what the heck is going on dramatically increases. One of our most popular seminars and webinars topics is still taxes and retirement. And what we see is the the more affluent prospects end up coming to those events and trying to learn about what's going on. And like you said, it might not affect them. The big changes might not affect them, but what would you advise um, professionals to do to you know, calm some fears or to stay in front of their current clients or prospects? What do those um, prospects need to know that that'll kind of take the edge off of, oh man, all these taxes are going to change. What's going to happen to me? I'm not sure we should take the edge off. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> what I mean by that is, yeah, 2020, we might not see significant change, but we are likely to see some significant change going forward. I mean, some of the elements of the Biden tax plan were increasing the top individual tax rate back up to 39.6, potentially eliminating preferential capital gains treatment or eliminating a step up in basis. These are not insignificant things. And so while we may have been tempted to, let's say, draw out or take a, a little bit more of a wait and see approach, I think there's more of a sense of urgency now than there was two years ago, for example, when we thought we had all the way out till 2025 with no real problems. I mean, we had pretty clear sailing until 2025 uh, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And then there was uncertainty. Now there's uncertainty, I, I really do think, beginning as early as next year. And what about things like the, the payroll tax or Social Security tax for high-income people? How does that play into the, the landscape of you know, when they file in 2022 for 2021? What is, what is something that's going to be changing there that we need to pay attention to? Well, one of the proposals that's out there, so I, I guess I kind of just glossed over a couple of the higher income sort of tax changes that are that are potential. Um, this is another one. And so the idea is to create kind of a donut hole situation where right now workers are taxed on up to about $140,000 of earned income for Social Security. And so if you're an employee, you're paying 6.2% and your employer is paying 6.2% on your behalf that goes into the Social Security system, plus an additional amount for Medicare. And after, I guess the proposal is after you exceed that 140 and change, then you don't get taxed on the income between that amount and 400,000. But then for income over 400,000, you'd start paying that 6.2 or if you're self-employed, you'd start paying the 12.4 again. And so it creates this kind of donut hole for the high but not super high wage earners throughout the country and then reintroduces that tax for the for for what we might say the highest 1%. And that can really that's a significant amount, especially for someone who's self-employed and is paying both halves, the employer and the employee portion. I mean, that's an additional 12.4% tax on earned income uh, when you think about it for income over $400,000. And so there are a variety of things that uh, you know self-employed individuals would be able to do. But the reason 
that's happening is I think we're going to get a trustees report here shortly, and it's it will take into account some of the impacts of the pandemic. And when I say a trustees report, every year the Social Security trustees uh, perform an actuarial analysis of the system. And the idea is to say, how long do the trust fund reserves last? Well, you saw some really loud news early, uh, early 2020 about the impact of the pandemic with, with you know, mass layoffs, mass unemployment, you've got a lot fewer people paying into the system. There was one projection that said the system could be broke as soon as 2029. Now, that was kind of an alarmist view. And ultimately, other views came out that said, well, it is going to have a negative impact, but probably not as negative as that report projected. So maybe 2034, as far as a, uh, a go broke date for Social Security. So this is going to be the backdrop. There's going to be a lot of conversation out there as there's more press around social security trust fund being depleted. And I think that's an opportunity for advisors to really educate consumers on what that means. So it's like, we've got these parallel, maybe a collision course between things that are happening. You've got a social security system that's having challenges that are heightened by, uh, by the pandemic. You've got tax rates that are some of the lowest in history, and you've got a whole bunch of new government expenses that arose throughout the pandemic. So there's going to be a lot of focus and at least a lot of discussion. There might not be action right away, but when the, when, when the discussion is out there, people get tempted to make dumb decisions. Right. <laughs> and, and if there's one job that that a financial advisor has, it's protecting people from the decisions that their buddy makes on a knee jerk reaction. Right. You know, on a golf course, I should do this. I, well, ugh, no, maybe he should do that. But oftentimes you shouldn't do that. And, and I think that's where advisors who are really equipped with tools and processes can combat some of those knee jerk reactions. And I think that's very interesting to think about the those those concepts all swirling together at the same time, the pandemic, the the struggling efficacy of the Social Security, um, you know, future. And then at the same time, you're you're talking about taxes are being so much lower and the government is just cutting checks left and left and right, you know, as as far as like stimulus checks and all that, all the other expenses that go to getting out the, the vaccine and all of that stuff, you know, obviously that money has to come from somewhere at some point, but what, if you're, if you're talking planning techniques, I'm a advisor, I'm talking to a current client. Is there anything that they should really be paying special attention to right now? I think, I think first and foremost, it's getting facts instead of, instead of fictions and fear out there, because there's going to be a lot of that. There's, and, and if you think about the baby boomer mentality, right? The baby boomer mentality, their parents are great gen, greatest generation. You've got, you still have an awful lot of personal responsibility, maybe more so than the millennials, right? I didn't, that's not a knock on millennials. It's just that you don't hear, um, many in the baby boomer generation saying, well, we can just rack up as much debt as we want. And these new economics is going to take care of it. Much more of the baby boomer conversation is saying, yeah, that's all bunk. Eventually that'll collapse the system. It'll cause inflation. It'll cause crazy taxes. That's the fear out there among the baby boomers and whether it's right or wrong. I mean, you know, as an advisor, I tend to, <laughs> I tend to agree with them that economic actions have consequences, but 
whether it's right or wrong, what we don't want to be doing is acting out of fear. And so I, I think the first thing that advisors really need to do is put together their own set of talking points around, okay, here's the facts today and here are some of the proposals that are on the table. You know, that's some of the things that, that we've talked about today, changes to the individual tax rate, the potential for the capital gains rate to become ordinary income rate, no more preferential treatment there and contingency plans for those. So it's like, okay, if this happens, what are the things we as advisors are going to be doing in order to combat that? Are we going to change which accounts we're holding different assets in? For example, right now, if I have a growth stock that doesn't pay any dividends and I don't expect to get rid of it during my lifetime, I want to hold it in a non-qualified account, right? If, if I'm holding Burke, uh, see, I'm an Omaha guy, right? And everybody in <laughs> Omaha holds Berkshire Hathaway just so they can get tickets to the big party every summer. Um, if I'm holding Burke, and I don't expect to use it during my lifetime. I want to hold it in my non-qualified account because I expect it to get a step up in basis, right? Now, all of a sudden, if that is not true, I want to be thinking about buying that in my Roth because the Roth has pretty consistent tax treatment and reasonably ex expectable, uh, predictable tax treatment going forward. So, that's one area, asset location. In what types of accounts should I be holding different assets in order to maximize the tax efficiency? And whenever tax rules change, I want to revisit my asset location decisions. What are some of the other planning techniques? Roth conversions. I mean, for the last several years, we literally, in our practice here in Omaha, we literally go through every client account and we run a tax map. That's uh, one of the things that, that our software does. And it just tells us where are the places where we have a collision between different income types that creates, uh, let's say, unexpected interactions. And the biggest one is, you know, the interaction between capital gains, social security, and ordinary income. It can give us literally a 50%, 49.95% effective marginal rate. And so what we try to do is always identify those ugly spots and also identify any soft spots where maybe we're sitting in the edge of one of those and we can drop back down to a 12 for a little while or to even to a 22% rate for a little while for someone who's higher income. The base idea in tax efficient retirement income planning is not having ugly spikes in one year where you're paying a lot more than you should be and pushing yourself into a lot higher bracket while in other years, paying no tax. It feels good in the years you're paying no tax, but that's a really inefficient plan when you pull it out over a lifetime and calculate the total cost of doing it that way. So this idea of levelizing tax brackets, whether it's by harvesting from different accounts at different points in time or doing Roth conversions, those are two great techniques to levelize tax brackets over a lifetime. So we've got asset location decisions, we've got levelizing tax brackets, and the third is probably counterintuitive. So there is going to be a lot of talk around Social Security. You know, we mentioned this idea that the pandemic's going to have a negative impact and we're going to see some press around it. Not to mention the Social Security system. Every few years, that trustees report consistently lowers. It's a rare occasion when they say, oh, we had better than expected returns from the trust fund, which means 
we're going to actually push out further the depletion date of the trust fund. So the third is so many advisors have walked away from social security planning after the file and suspend and the restricted application disappeared. And the fact is for, for a married couple, for someone who's widowed, for someone who's middle income, there is so much leverage to be gained by doing social security planning, identifying an optimal social security strategy. We're still seeing numbers that are over $100,000 of present value difference between claiming early versus following a strategy. And I mean, that's in present value. That's like adding 100K to someone's retirement account today. And so starting there, particularly when you evaluate the tax efficiencies that are around social security and the fact that they're unlikely to fully go away is really a great starting place for then building the other sustainable retirement income around. Um, so I think those are three core planning techniques uh, that are as good today as they ever were, uh, maybe better because they because they're sustainable systems, right? It's not like we're we're going to go from a tax system that uh, you know right now we're it's a pro- progressive tax system. You have brackets that are increasing as you go higher in income. It's not like we're going to go to a flat tax system, right? Just not something that's going to happen anytime in the near future. So while brackets might move around, we might get new popcorn taxes. I'm reminded of the 3.8% net investment income tax. Um, what we're unlikely to see is just scrapping of the entire tax code and starting over with some totally foreign structure. Um, so all these planning techniques still work is just modifying the points at which you do them. You know, How much do I convert to Roth and why? And that's something that I think you guys have done just an amazing job at, you know, through the the software options. You know, I am not a financial advisor. When you start getting into the weeds about taxes, like <laughs> it's 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 a, a lot of it is just over my head. And what's really interesting is when I look through like a, a tax clarity example with that tax map, it makes sense. Like all of that just makes sense. And I talk to advisors all the time that regularly do tax maps for their current clients. And they, they use the, the social security tool to, sh- to show how to optimize that. And, and I think it's now more important than ever to do that with your existing clients. I, the, it remains true that the number one reason a client leaves a financial advisor is because they feel like they're not communicated with. And sometimes we get so wrapped up in, you know, fill in the funnel, finding new leads, you know, and, and obviously White Glove, we're in that business to make client introductions, right? But there's a there's this point of nurturing, especially now in a, in a virtual environment where you might not have them coming into your office, you, you, know, you don't have that handshake, you know, that you are used to having but you still need to be providing value to your current clients. And I, and I love your guys' system because it's, you know, clients, prospects, they don't want to know all of the codes. They don't want to know all the plans. They don't want to know all the, you know, the, the blueprints. They just want to know that it's taken care of. And Tax Clarity does an awesome job at just very simply breaking that down and saying, hey, this is what we're looking at and this is what I'm working for. Yeah, that's actually a, why we called it a tax map. That I guess that terminology doesn't show up anywhere, but shoot, the way that whole thing came to be, when we were 
designing income insight, this idea of how do we decide which account we're going to use at which points in retirement, that was an Excel spreadsheet. And I would put it up on my monitor in my conference room to tell clients, hey, you're right here. And I need to get you here by the end of the year, which means we're going to take this much more out of your IRA and we're going to take the rest of the money from your non-qualified account. And they got it. And that's why it ended up being a tool was not because we thought advisors would like it. It was because clients got it. <laughs> and, you know, just for our own practice, those are the two most highly referred things, both by other professionals and by our own clients is social security and tax. It's, those are kind of neck and neck. It used to be more social security. Now it's more tax. And you said something really interesting there. You said you designed it because the clients liked it, not because the advisors liked it. And I think that message is so universal to all advisors out there with whatever you're doing, whether it's, you know, seminars, webinars, whether it's social media, whether you're, you know, posting, whether you're sending emails, you know, to nurture your base, it's not always about what you want to talk about. It's not because you're, you're so great at X, Y, and Z prospects and clients don't care about that so much. What they care about is clarity. What they care about is, knowing that it's taken care of. And when you can design your nurturing systems, when you can design your prospecting systems around what your ideal client wants to hear about, that's when you start really seeing success. And I talk to advisors all the time that, you know, they might want to do a webinar on X topic or Y or Z. And, and we always kind of circle back to, let's talk to your prospects with what they want to hear about. And you're totally spot on, Joe, that, you know, social security and taxes remain very high on people's concerns. And, you know, you have to address those first before you can get into any of those more, more niche topics. And, and you can't forget about your existing client base when it comes to those items, because you might've done a tax plan with them last year or two years ago or three years ago, or maybe when you first brought them on as a client, but they have the same concerns today as your prospects do. Your clients have those same concerns and you need to address those. And I think your solutions show are, are fantastic for doing that. One of the things that it's been really interesting to see is, is your guys' evolution of what you supply to advisors. Cause it really started with the software. It started with that tax map, which was a, a you know, you knocked that one out of the park, love that. And then when we started working together, it evolved into, well, let's, let's make a presentation out of it. Let's, you know, make a seminar out of it. Let's, let's get in front of more people. And, you know, I loved our partnership and all of that. And, and now what are you seeing as far as, okay, it's a, it's virtual, it's going to be a hybrid for the, the rest of the foreseeable future. It's, it's never just going to go back to the way it was. And advisors need to realize that. But what are you seeing as just blue ocean of opportunities for advisors to leverage these changes in their marketing? Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, I rewind a decade, right? Because a decade ago, when we launched Social Security Timing, actually a little more than that, we launched Social Security Timing, we had the software and we had the library seminar that we were doing here in Omaha. And uh, that was all you needed. That's how advisors marketed. Most advisors that were really growing, that that's how they grew. And you know, that was a, a great thing for, for us, for my own practice. It was a great thing for the advisors that worked with us. Fast forward a decade, 
and you've got a huge shift to all this moving online, right? And so everything from webinars to social marketing, et cetera. And so one of the things over the last year, two years, we've basically introduced a marketing kit that ties to each of our software tools. And it includes everything from share graphics to content pieces uh, that are all designed to lead up to an online webinar, whether it's presented virtually or as a video series. Uh, And all of those now are just part of uh, the subscription, primarily because when we looked out, basically when we built this company, we, we said, what are the biggest challenges that that middle, upper middle, lower affluent, you know, the kind of the 250,000 to three to $5 million client that's five years or so from retirement all the way through retirement? What are their big questions, right? And in my own financial planning practice, we built our practice for that. When we get a referral of someone who's either really high net worth or has different challenges, we actually refer them away. And and people laugh at us for that, but, um, but that's not our wheelhouse. And our processes are really built to do incredibly well with our client with the right amount of effort. And so we really did the same thing with the software tools is let's create tools that answer these people's biggest questions in a way that is better than anybody else. And then let's equip advisors to communicate around them. Now, the dissemination part is the part uh, that we don't do. And that's why it's been such a great relationship with, with White Glove over the years. And I know we have a lot of fun things coming out in 2021 together where we're going to kind of incorporate those assets you guys have created and some of the processes that we're doing. And I'm really excited to get that underway and, and one thing that we continue to see is that, you know, seminars, webinars now, and then having a strong social media presence are all very important to work together to make sure that your existing clients and also prospects are hearing from you in, in the right capacity and in the place that they feel comfortable hearing from you in. And one thing that I always just sticks forefront of my mind is, if, if you, if you're, if you think of your ideal client, your top client, your ideal prospect, if you are not willing to do tax planning with them, or if you're not proactively, you know, reaching out about their social security concerns, that they will find that information from someone. And if they're not getting it from you, who are you comfortable with them getting it from? And that's, that's what I always kind of circle back to when advisors say, nope, I'm not going to do a webinar. I'm not going to do social media. Well, your prospects and clients absolutely are on social media. They have attended a webinar likely. And there's, there's only two options. You're, you're either going to meet them there or someone else is going to meet them there. And I love working, you know, with, with Joe and company to, to provide all of those resources that advisors can use themselves when they have the software or they can, you know, fuel that up with white glove. But I think it's just such a, an important thing that advisors need to understand is everything you talked about today, Joe, is an absolute concern with their prospects and their clients, and they, they need to be talking about it. So if we had one final thought as far as, okay, we talked about a, a ton of changes today. We talked about, you know, some, some great strategies for, for planning. 
you know, in your practice, Joe, what are you focused on for the next six months? What is your big, this is what we're going to do with my current clients or prospects? Yeah, if there's one key theme that, that I would say is more important than anything else, it's unifying the marketing that you're putting out there with how you're going to deliver the answer, right? How you're going to deliver the better, it's, it's more the process for delivering the better answer. So I'll give you a, a few examples. I mentioned things like asset location, things like Roth conversions, things like social security. It's really this question of, I need to be identifying messaging that ties back to the core elements of my practice. And the core elements of my practice should be designed around my ideal client. And when I can get all of those aligned, that's where I really, really have the opportunity to grow in the way I want to grow, right? To grow in a way that I am hugely valuable to my clients and thus very referable by my clients in a way that's fulfilling to me where I enjoy the work that I do. And ultimately in a way that's profitable to the business where I can continue to grow and I can bring on more people and I can continue at that same level of service, even as I grow. I mean, I think that is the key thing is really when you're looking at how you're going to grow, it's yeah, let's look at what kinds of changes are happening out in the marketplace because those are opportunities. But let's identify how those changes tie to processes. And if those processes don't exist, then really start thinking about how do I build the process that can help clients evaluate those changes, put them in a position to be thrilled by the service I deliver, make me very referable, and put the position, put the business in a position to really grow. So if we can do all that, heck, it's going to be an outstanding 2021. <laughs> I love it. And as always, very knowledgeable, timely information, Joe. Thank you very much for being on the show. I look forward to all of the fun things we're going to do together between White Glove and Covisum, you know, this year and years to come. Thanks, Brad. Hoorah. Joe L. Sasser and Brad Swinehart with actionable items for advisors dealing with a new tax agenda. To get the best insight from the best of the best, Subscribe to Brad's podcast, Be Advised Leading with Value. All you have to do is click the button on this page and share with friends. They'll be glad you did. Thank you for listening to Be Advised Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Mike Love. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.